When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Province Force Podcast. Welcome to the White Towel Podcast. Patrick Johnson here. Ben Kuzma. Ben, He's here. He's are, here. You're good. Yeah, yep. folks, remember. Mm-hmm. Review. Like us on various social media platforms. Darn, what are we talking about? iTunes. We don't call it iTunes anymore. Apple Podcasts. Tune in. Stitcher. Missing anything? I think that's all. Anyway, Google Play. Google Play. Subscribe. We're all over the place. Go play. Yeah, exactly. Get out ben. there and play, you kids out there. Go ben, play. Ben, how are you? I'm good. I'm little jacked. We're getting closer it's to June. the draft. Yeah, it's June. It's draft month. It's draft exactly. year, isn't it? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Come on. We have lots of things planned. And uh, as we get closer to draft week, I'm sure we'll let everybody know. But boy, it's uh, it's going to be chock-a-block. And uh, we're all chipping away at it right now. It's nice to have things to talk about, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's more that sort of thinking... Forward-looking, I believe, as our old colleague used to call it. Well, we do navel gaze, but then it's nice to <laughs> cast a wider net sometimes and actually reach people. There's a few things I want to talk about today, but actually, since I'm thinking about it, I'm now done my portion of Under the Microscope, but yeah. you're, you're, you're about to wrap things up. What has been your takeaway, perhaps, from, from this process? What have you found yourself coming back to? More of a confirmation of what I already thought, that uh, A, there's a lot of work to do, there are more question marks than exclamation marks on this mm-hmm. team. And the nice thing is that to be a little bit uh, selfish from my perspective and certainly toward you, tremendous feedback. Yes. I've, I've actually had people come up to me and say, hey, I really enjoy what you guys are doing with the under the microscope. And it's not so much for the core players. It's the fact that, uh, wow, Tim Schaller was really bad, wasn't yeah. he? <laughs> and yeah. to what degree? And, yeah. and, and what are they going to do? Uh, I think it was me for just remembering the year and looking back and, and, trying to figure out what this organization is going to do to not only solidify its roster, but they've got a lot of redundancies in certain positions and a lot of question marks. So it's a good process for us as a refresher. And I know for readers and those who go online, uh, they've really enjoyed it because it gives them kind of that big perspective. The same thing for me and just kind of pondering. I mean, I I actually find myself going a lot back to sort of the question of Ali Levy and the fact that he didn't get to play this year and how that might have changed everything, that we would have had a different look on the blue line, you know, I keep finding myself looking at other teams, you know, guys from his gla- uh, draft year, how those defensemen have played out, how, you know, if he had been in the lineup, how different everything would have been. And 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 really giving them a jump start on where they really do need to go with that blue line going into next year. Because, of course, like you said, there's lots of forwards that are redundant. Well, there were a whole bunch of defensemen that were pretty redundant. Well, it's too. interesting, too, when I talked to Jim Monday, kind of a post-scouting combine opportunity to talk about what he got out of it. It's interesting when I talked about trade scenarios and that second tier of player that he might be able to package. When I, after the big four, he was quick to mention Ulevi. Right. And, and Demko in the same breath saying that no, they're untouchables as well. I think we tend to forget that Ulevi did get off to a good start in Utica and was on a 50 point pace. Right. Until they got hurt there in early December. So again, as a left shot guy, uh, he's had enough time. He, sh- you know, that injury, we remember when it occurred, that surgery, we we're all doing the math about mm-hmm. six months. And, mm-hmm. How will he be ready? I know he's been in and out of Vancouver uh, training this summer. Right. So he should be ready for camp. And, and you'd like to think. 
I mean, deep down, does he need a full year in the A? Probably, but who knows? Uh, maybe he works into your third pairing him and you develop it at this level. I think that realistically is the way to go. I'm yep. going to come back to it. There's a couple lessons out there from the Stanley Cup final, but I don't want to quite get to that yet. <laughs> yeah. you, you mentioned talking to Jim. Yeah. What do you think? What do you make of the combine? I mean, these guys, they've seen these kids yeah. so much. You know, what do they actually get out of the combine that they, I mean, is there anything to get there that they couldn't have got elsewhere? No. Well, I think the actual interview process is interesting. And, and Jim has talked about how polished these kids are today, that they're so active on social media, that when they walk into a room of adults, they're not spooked and they're pretty polished. I, I think it's more uh, kind of a solidifying our feel about the kid. We love him as a player. He see, we've heard things about him as a person. And Jim's told me in the past, sometimes they've found out things about a player and they've questioned him on it and they may have caught him in maybe the fabricating a little bit of the truth that's not quite there. Mm. And they've walked away from players. I think what came out of Buffalo, especially with the five guys or six guys they might be targeting, is that feeling that, yep, we, we like what we're hearing and now we're going to bring two or three of them to Vancouver here. Uh, for further interviews. I mean, it's pretty obvious, five yeah, or six guys, I think, obvious. wouldn't you say? I mean, there, you know, there's Soderstrom who we've written about. Yeah, Soderstrom, I, I, right now, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to say that why, why he wouldn't, A, he should be there, and, and B, a guy who's a right-shot defenseman who played in the Swedish Hockey League as a 17-year-old, whose minutes as a 17-year-old were being compared to what uh, Rasmus Dahlin has done, what Victor Hedman's done in the past, uh, the way he thinks the game, the way he made a seamless transition. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a panic level. He battles well enough with his positioning uh, as a guy who's not quite six feet. So, yeah, I think Victor Soderstrom's there. You talked about the back end and, and how it's still a work in progress. And as a right-shot guy, wow, that you know you just kind of slot him right in uh, down the road somewhere. So he's got to be there. I, I think Matthew Boley, a left winger with the United States development team, 6'3 winger who scored, who played on that ridiculous team. Uh, had a lot of time with crazy the, team. Jack I mean, five Hughes, yeah, guys in the crazy. top ten. I'm talking to some of those guys about their power play. It's <laughs> kind of like an NHL or at least American Hockey League power play. So, Boldy should be there. Uh, teammate Trevor uh, Zagras should be there. A guy who played the middle and the wing. You know how Travis loves guys who are, are that uh, versatile. And uh, I don't know if Broberg is on their radar or not. A guy who's all over the map in the first round. Uh, Krebs, the kid who played in Cranbrook. The team has moved to Winnipeg, obviously. And did everything for a really bad team. So those guys, I'm certainly going to pay some attention to those five guys. The reason why I brought up Yo Levy and the kind of reference point I wanted to think about was looking at the St. Louis Blues and some lessons there. I mean, Yo Levy's not really the entry point, but there's a, there's a story there in terms of how I think, you know, the team was going to handle him that I think actually now that I think about it made some sense. But I look at that blue line that the St. Louis Blues have been running out in the Stanley Cup final. And you have three guys this season that were in double digits in goals. You have, of course, Pre-Angelo. You have Pareko. You have Vince Dunn, who people don't talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, three top end guys who can move the puck, who have offensive abilities. You know, that's a team that doesn't have an out and out superstar forward. They've got a collection of really good forwards, but that game four win, we saw St. Louis control the middle of their defensive zone so well. It made things so hard for the Bruins to make anything happen, really. And that was about the quality of their defense, the quality of their system. I mean, what Craig Berube did in the second half, a lot of it's Bennington, but a lot of it is just building a system that made life really difficult. I think back to that late season, the you know final game of the season, Canucks and St. Louis, and how what a hard time they had trying to get to the middle of the ice and what a difference that was compared to how St. Louis had played before Christmas, of course. We remember the game where the Canucks beat them. They, you know, The Blues were fighting themselves in practice the next day. But I look at that defense, and I look at uh, the way they brought it together. They've got... 
the top three guys who can score. They've got obviously the experience in Jay Bowmeister, but then they got Bortuzzo. They've got Gunnarsson. You know, they've got these hard edge guys down at the bottom end of their lineup and they all have an interesting story and all of them are one that are lessons for the Canucks. Now the Blues in the last decade have not been a very good drafting team, but they did find Vince Dunn, I believe in the third round. They did find uh, Pareko in the second round or it might be the other way around. And both those guys did well as junior or as college players and then had a, a sort of a dip their toe in the American Hockey League, got a sense of what the professional game was about, and then they were quickly into the NHL. And that was, in many ways, the kind of flow that they were going for with Levy until he got hurt. Yep. And and to me, I said back, okay, yeah, that does make sense. That's a path for a player of that quality. You know, that makes sense. And, and you know, I look, like I said, I look at that defenseman and a, an ability to move the puck, an ability to be tough, and that, to me, is a is a model you should be trying to chase. And, of course, like I said, you know, two defensemen found after the first round, which, you know, you'd like to have thought the Canucks had done in the last five years. They haven't done that. Uh, but there was a lot to chew on for me there. Well, the fact that the Blues made Jay Bomeister serviceable is, yeah. is, a, is a minor miracle. Yeah. I think what works in the Blues' favor is the fact that you're talking, you're referencing that 6-1 game that the Canucks won uh, in St. Louis this season. I mean, you want to talk about wide open spaces. The gap control is really evident in this series. And the one thing the Bruins do maybe better than any other team, their puck movement and the, the cross seam passes, that second sense of where a guy is going to be. Usually it is a backdoor play or somebody in the high slot. And it's not there, like yeah. you said. And that, that's not just a testament to the defense. That, that's the back check. I mean, O'Reilly was a brilliant get. Uh, bringing Perron back to the Blues for the third time, yeah. um, you know, just just finding guys who project as a team that's going to be tough to play against down the stretch should get into the playoffs. The interesting thing at the BC Sport Hall of Fame uh, kind of induc- induction luncheon here last month, I had a chance to talk to Kenny Holland, the new Edmonton GM. He referenced how much he liked the Blues going into the season with the acquisitions that they did in the off season, and even Daniel Sedin. <laughs> told me he thought that was going to be a team that would probably push for a playoff spot because he liked them from the get-go yeah. this season. And they only missed the playoffs by a point the previous season. And don't lose sight of the fact of what baruby has been able to do. He's been able to reach these guys on a different level. I mean, some of that stuff that they're showing now from the room is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's he's hard on them. Don't get, yeah. don't get wrong. Chief's hard on them, but he also finds the humor in everything. Yeah. And I tell you, he's got them all tugging on the rope. My biggest question was, is this going to be sustainable? I mean, how can the Blues continue to play that hard for that long? Mm-hmm. The problem now is they can smell it. Yeah, They're tied at two, and they can smell it. And with Chara out, whether it's, he's got a broken jaw or whatever, uh, Grizzly, they, they're, they're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, if Bennington can hold the fort and, and not let in those soft goals, I think we're talking a seven-game series here. Back to the Canucks. Thinking about the summer, and I've been writing a bit about players to look at, mm-hmm. players they might be chasing, and obviously mm-hmm. there's those big four names on defense, and I've written about a couple of them already, but there's Tyler Myers, mm-hmm. there's uh, Anton Strahlman, there's Jake Gardner, and there's, of course, Eric Carlson. And I mean, I, I'm, you know, by the time people hear this, they may have already read my story, but, you know, the premise is essentially, of course, the Canucks should call on Eric Carlson. I don't think they're actually going to go that way because... You sound like Jim, you know. Of course, I've got, yeah, of course. We're interested in everybody. Didn't you know that? <laughs> And if you don't know that, I have media in the East that will let you know that I know that it will be on Hockey Night in Canada that I'm chasing every player. Just I'm so inter- you know. I, I'm interested in everything. We're yeah. not saying no to anything, yeah. right? Not, we're going to trade down, but we're not going to trade down. We're going to trade up, but we're not going to trade up. We're going to stay up. at 10, but we're not staying at 10. Yeah, no, exactly. we're staying at 10. Yeah. We're interested in a, 
a second line winger and we're also interested in the center and maybe, you know, or we're not. But no, I mean, of course, you look at a defenseman like Carlson. I mean, yes, he's had a rough finish to a season. He was injured. Yes, he's going into his 30s. But he's he's one of the supreme blue line talents still in the league. And if you are a team that's serious about saying we want to be a playoff team next year, and the Canucks haven't said that, but it's clear that's the task at hand, of course he's a guy you go after. Well, you do it on the premise that you're not going to be able to solve, you're not going to get a defenseman and a top six winger in free agency. It's too expensive. Right. If you think you can broker a trade, like Jim told me on Monday, that's going to get both somebody to play with or maybe even a guy that's going to play with Pedersen and Besser, you can probably do that to a degree. Now, like when you and I think of support players, we think of a certain type of player. Yeah. Jim may have a different take on that, and a lot of them may have to do with affordability. So I'm curious. Portability is a big word. I'm curious how that's going to play itself out. But but to get back to the yeah, to get back to free agency, yeah, of course you're going to kick the tires on on Carlson. But you know you'll go into sticker shock when when you see the price. And same thing with whatever the Predators are thinking or doing with with Subban. I wouldn't touch him. But I understand that as a general manager, you have to do your due diligence. You have to go go through the process. We know, all know Tyler Myers is coming here on July 1st. You know that because you wrote that negative article <laughs> and, and upset everybody in the Myers camp. And now they're thinking twice about coming to Vancouver. So. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Way to go. Jim on line one, by the way. I'm sure they're worried Jim about Jim on line it. one. Yeah, right. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <sighs> just for the sake of Martin, I, I mean, you're not, you're not in the Subban camp. I think Subban's worth looking at. If it's something like you could flip Jake for Tannen for PK Subban somehow, yeah, but it's going to be—it's not going to be a one. It's that's not, the problem. Yeah, it's I not going to be a one. one. It's going to be yeah. a one plus plus, and that's yeah. the problem. Now you're talking a prospect and a pick, and that just doesn't fly with what they're supposedly doing. And that's a whole other podcast. The fact that I think they're, they're heading down that dual mandate road right now. Yeah, pressure from above. Jim trying to save his job, make the playoffs versus draft and develop. I think we're heading down that road again. It's it's a it's a familiar path, isn't yeah, it? It's coming. It's coming. I can see it like a prairie storm. Is it here already? It's on the horizon. Yeah. I can smell the rain, you know. It's like Saskatchewan. Is, like, yeah, is this a lesson? The rain is it it's going to rain in four and a half hours. Lesson from Coos's youth? Yeah. Is that what this is? Absolutely. <laughs> Dark cloud's not good. <laughs> All right. Well, I, the other thing I mean, I wanted to ponder at this point mm-hmm. is the NHL awards. Is PD all in? I mean, if, if you could put the playoffs in, Bennington would take it over PD, wouldn't he? Here's a problem we have in the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Is I that, didn't have a vote this year, by the way. Why not? You didn't get the package? I asked. They said no, not yet. Compact. Is this like rookie? Like you got to be apparently. Wow, I didn't know that. Apparently, only half about half membership gets it. I don't, yeah, here and and where's most of the membership? Od. So getting back to your Biddington, there might be something to it, but I think the guys I've talked to uh, hard pressed not to. Uh, Pick PD. And remember, when he went out east uh, yes. on the first tour, Put he had 10 show. goals in 10 games right. going into New York. That's right. And he was front page news. So right. I think they saw enough of him. Yeah. He got injured, I guess, in, in Montreal. But, I mean, he was such a story then, and there was so much profile on him. Yeah. He had his moments, but, uh, yeah. He, if he isn't, that's – no, we have – we got a really good story if he's not. Let's put it that way. I hope not, because that's a busy week for us then. I don't want to write that story. This is a scandal. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that one out. We'll probably talk about it the next podcast, how we're going to wrestle that monkey. Okay. All right. What are we thinking about? We, you know, before we go, what, do, what are we thinking about? What's your last thought here before we go? Uh, my last thought is probably a little bit about what I wrote today in the papers about what Jim's trying to do in terms of packaging second tier players to get some top six help. It's interesting that he went back and forth on Jake for Tannen. 
part of it is at first he supported him in his quote. He also drafted him. So he's trying <laughs> to validate what he thought he had in the system as opposed to getting another power forward named Kachuk Kofkov. Um, and then he said, you know what? Doesn't say I, I wouldn't trade Jake in the right deal. I think that's a, also a subtle message to Jake. Remember down the stretch, right at the end, yeah. Travis tied, tried Jake on the left side for a couple games there. And then at the end of the year, I asked Travis about him. He said his game would have to really improve. Well, as so, I said so before, Jake he is what he is. a different player. He is what he is. Yeah. Right now, he's a third-line yeah. right winger. as a sixth overall pick. Hmm. Can you live with that? I mean, he's a guy that score, could score you 20 goals. I mean, I think he should, you, put I mean, him, you put him at the right center, he's going to score 20 goals. This is the thing. Like, the tools and sometimes where's the toolbox? Fastest skater on the team, hits like a truck. His IQ sometimes you wonder about. He's handling pucks better. He's making better decisions. He's been out in overtime. He's he's played on the power play a bit. He's been out there in the last minute of games. I don't think they're ready to give up on him, but, you know, he's got a year left on his deal, so. It's amazing. This is going to be his fifth year. I mean, if that, if, that, if this is an incentive, I don't know what is. Yeah. So, um, But on a good team, Jake Vertanen as your third-line right winger makes perfect sense on a, uh, as a sixth pick on a team in transition. Will he ever be a top six player? I think it's a $64,000 yeah. question in this town, and I'm not so sure. That's why they're looking. That's why they're looking. Draft in two weeks, Ben. Can you wait? Are you going to manage? I'm happy. Here's two you things. Did you tease Berkey, or you want to? Should we say we're, we're tight now, man? He actually called me back. Here's the thing: they always say you don't want the draft in your backyard because you know you go on the road. Yeah. But you're but you got a lot of responsibilities on the road. You got the yeah. team, you got the league, you got yeah. the juniors. What are the Giants doing? What are yeah. the local yeah. kids yeah. doing? I hope you're listening, Steve Ewan. Eight pages on you're going to be tomorrow, please. busy. So I know I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, yourself, myself, uh, Ed Willis. Uh, Steve Ewan, just having a lot of different uh, Mooney, Darn Mooney. I mean, just being able to delegate things like you know we Darm, can concentrate, be able to be able to do league stuff, junior <laughs> stuff. Uh, I think it's pretty cool to be able to do that. I, I think it, it'd be it'd be a great hit here. It's going to be fun. It's yes. going to be a busy, busy week, and I think we're going to do a really good job. All right, folks. As ever, as I said before, listen to us. Whatever your favorite podcast player is, there's a chance to rate and review us. That always helps us. So, oh, hit that up. Okay, and uh, Ben. Maybe we'll see you next week. Yeah, get to work. All right. Goodbye.